Hi, this is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter. I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and Niagara Gazette sports editor. And welcome to episode 23 of Buffalo Press Box. Nick, uh, first of all, glad you're uh, glad you're doing well. Uh, we couldn't record last week. Uh, we missed a week, but uh, we're back at it. And uh, before we get going, uh, you know, we, we've done our predictions every week for the Bills, and we did one for the Super Bowl. And usually, you know, I'm pretty close, and you're way off. But yeah. there's a there's that saying, uh, a couple of sayings: blind squirrel fly, finds an acorn. Um, uh, a broken clock is right twice a day. So you correctly predicted um, the winner and the exact final score of the Super Bowl. Uh, you, you told us a couple of weeks ago that uh, Kansas City would defeat San Francisco twenty-five twenty-two, which is not a let, let let's be let's be honest. Uh, it's not a score that a lot of people would pick. Uh, but you said twenty-five twenty-two, and it happened. What? Uh, how are you dealing with this uh, this newfound fame? Uh, I'm going to start betting professionally. Really? Okay. Yep. Pretty pretty soon I'll be I'll be rolling in the cash. <laughs> That was uh that was pretty uh pretty remarkable in my opinion. I don't know anyone else who correctly predicted the final score. And and I mean I mean let's face it 25 I mean in the age of two point conversions and everything else there are some weird scores but I mean no one people just don't really predict that kind of score. So Nicholas kudos to you. Maybe kudos maybe now you. you'll start putting putting some respect on my name. All right, all right, all right. To be fair, Nick was Nick's predictions were pretty good this year. I mean, well, that's because I didn't well, pick the Bills every time like you did. That's right. Hey, I went I, I went with the Bills. Um, what um, nineteen times, I guess. So, yep. um, <laughs> all right, Nick. So it's uh, Super Bowl's over. Uh, now we're in a quiet part of the off season, but uh, coming up very soon. The combine in Indianapolis. Uh, let's, I mean, you'll be there. Let's take a look at the, just what's out there for the Bills to examine, what, what's out there for them to draft. Um, all the talk is about a receiver. Um, what, who are the big receivers, the notable receivers, in your opinion, that'll be available, or well, in the draft, but at the combine? Well, I, I mean, you're going to have. You know, the big three are Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors from LSU, and Roma Dumze from from Washington. I unless any of them end up having a bad combine or a bad pro day or a combination of both, or just something crazy crops up between now and the draft, I don't see any way the Bills get any get either of the any of those guys. I, I just I think they're all they're all probably going to be ranked as top 10 prospects, whether they go in the top 10, I don't know. Um, but I'd be surprised if, if any of them fall to number th- 28. Um, but that, uh, there's still going to be plenty of good guys available. Um, you know, by time the bills roll around and, you know, Brandon Bean likes to trade up. I, I don't know if he's going to want to part with any, any capital at this point because they're so tight on the cap. But um, some of the some of the guys I'm gonna look at um, at the combine, um, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, 
Keon Coleman uh, from Florida State, and Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Now, all of those guys should, you know, fall within the state, the, the Bills range. Um, maybe some some jump up, some some fall back. I mean, it's it's a weird it's a weird time of year, right? Like these guys are gonna gonna rise and fall, you know, based on workouts that they do without pads on. Um so it's amazing, isn't it? Right. Right. So they're but all those guys are are six four. Or or that's what they're 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 supposed to be measured at at the moment. Um so what I want to see from them is are those guys more than just guys who can jump up and catch the ball mm-hmm. or body up a uh an overmatched defender things like that. Can they can they run the whole route tree? Uh, do they have fluid hips? Can they run? Can they break in and out of routes? Um, and then another guy I'm looking at is going to be in the same range as Texas's uh, Xavier Worthy. He's a smaller guy. He's 6'1", 172. So it'd be interesting to see if if he has if he has the frame to to handle the bumps and and, and things like that of of playing in the NFL or you know if he's maybe just going to be a slot guy. What's he's going to be? Um, I think that's that's what I'm most interested in looking at from those guys. I mean, you know, we'll get to talk to a lot of those guys, but um, you know, that that's kind of what you're looking at at the combine. There's there's not a whole lot else to look for. Um, and then maybe if if the Bills don't want to go with a receiver in the first round, or maybe one that they want isn't there, or whatever they don't want to reach, maybe they want to trade up in the middle of the second round. Um, there's a guy like uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon, who's six four and again has good speed. But the knock on him again is, is he doesn't doesn't have much fluidity in his hips and and can't run the full route tree. And then there's a guy like uh, Washington's Jalen Polk, who's you know six two two oh four, and the knock on him is that he's not a, a down the field guy. Do they want another one of those guys to pair with Stefan Diggs, or do they want somebody who can stretch the field? I think that's all going to be pretty, pretty interesting to to look at with the receivers at this point. A lot of six foot four receivers. I mean, yes, I, a lot of tall guys. It's the, I, I feel like the, the, the wish list of Bills fans for like the last twenty years has been a big receiver, who can who can run and jump. And I always laugh at that. Like, they don't grow on trees. Yeah. Like there's a reason there's a reason that there there are so few of them. Um I, I, I just I think the guy who's six four is overrated. The guy who's six five or whatever, uh, that you need one of those guys. Now all these guys happen to be that, so great, but I don't I don't think that's necessary to have on your team. Interesting. Okay, so defensive ends at the combine. I mean well, first of all, I mean I know the draft's a little ways off, but do, do you think the Bills would We'll look at one with their first pick. Yes. So, ba- based ba- based on the fact that they've that in their in their tenure they've taken what they've taken Greg Rousseau in the first round, they've taken AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham in the second round. I mean, if there's one there, they're going to take him. I mean, at this point, the defensive ends on the roster for next year are Greg Rousseau, Von Miller, and Kingsley Jonathan. Mm. Um, I don't think I don't think that's those are the the three guys. I mean, Greg Rousseau is gonna is excellent, and I think he's only gonna get better. Um, 
Kingsley Jonathan is still a project and who knows if he's ever going to be anything. And, you know, Von Miller is going to be 35 and, and, you know, who knows what, what, what's going to happen with him, uh, health wise. So, uh, they need, they need guys, uh, they need guys for the future. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there's a guy there at 28, I think they'll take him if, if he's the best player available. And you have to remember, at 28, your options aren't what they are at, you know, 10. I mean, they're not, they're not in the top 10 anymore. Like that's, that's one of the downsides. Like maybe there, there are going to be GMs who don't have 32 guys with a first round grade. I mean, that's, that was the case last year. I think there were, I think Bean said there was, you know, 20 something guys he had with a first round grade last year. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, it's like you, you just can't go into it saying I need this position. And I'm going to draft it no matter what. If you do that, um, you're going to end up whiffing. You end up with a guy like James Hardy. Not to speak ill of the dead, but I mean, I think they reach for a guy like James Hardy because he was a big guy. They wanted a big guy, and he just didn't fit the fit the bill. So. But, just the, the the defensive ends that would be worthy perhaps of a first or an early pick in your opinion are um well I think Chop Robinson from Penn State I think he's going to end up maybe rising a little bit um as the draft process goes along uh, uh Braylon Trice from Washington he's somewhere in the top 20 at the moment I think um and you know those those edge rushers you know, teams love them. So, um, I think that there's going to be a premium, but there's not, there's not a ton of them that you would consider the blue chippers right now. Uh, the guys that I want to look at are more in the, in the second round range. Um, uh, there's, uh, Chris Braswell from Alabama who was, a outside linebacker in a three, four. So he'll be, you know, a pass rusher kind of guy. He had eight sacks and only had really one year as a starter. Uh, only three and a half against sixth ranked opponents. Um, you know, can he play against the run? Can he play consistently? Uh, or is he a flash in the pan kind of guy? There's Gabriel Murphy from U UCLA, eight sacks, one and a half against ranked opponents. Um, he was, he only had really had one year at productive year at UCLA. He's a transfer from North Texas. Um, Zion Tupolo Fatui from Washington. Six years. Six years in college he played. Um he had he had seven, you know, really didn't do a ton in his first two years. Redshirted a year, had seven sacks in 2020, then got hurt in 2021, and then had had a, a decent couple of years um to close out his career, but didn't have a, a ton of sacks. Can he be an ad rusher? Does he have the pop? Uh, or is he maybe just going to be a run defender? Um, those are those are some guys to look at. Now, safety, I mean, we all know that uh, the Bills' safeties are getting up there. Micah Hyde, I mean, I guess he could retire. Jordan Poyer is uh, he's not, I guess, not the player he was just a few years ago. Um, he's been around, what, like 11, 12 years in the NFL? 11, I think? Yeah. So... Uh, could the they Bills need safeties? Goes... They need safeties. Could they, could go, they go safety late in the first round? Sure, 
um it's not it's not a common position i mean usually usually it's a stud that goes in the first round um i don't know if there's any true studs at safety to say wow he's a first rounder um but there's going to be some interesting guys um tyler newbin from minnesota 62210 um 13th picks in 5 years another another guy who took advantage of the extra covid year three, four, five interceptions the last three years. Um, but the thing with him is, does he have the range? Can he cover a lot of ground in a short period of time? And as as we've seen over the years, uh, that's something the Bills coveted with Micah Hyde is that he could play 25, 30 yards off the ball and make up that ground in a hurry, or he could play a little closer to the box and and then drop out because the Bills love to disguise. Um, can he do that? Is something that um, you know I, I think that we'll we'll, we'll kind of get a look at here at the combine. Um, Cam Kitchens is the the hot name I think at safety from Miami. Eleven interceptions, twelve passes defense in the last two years. The questions for him: Can he play? a disciplined style of defense. Uh, he, he relied an awful lot on his natural skills and instincts. Um, can he fit into the mold of a disciplined defense? Like he, I mean, you can't freelance in the NFL, no matter how, how physically talented you are. Um, at a certain point, you're going to have to learn to play within the scheme. Um, so that's that, that I think those are going to be some of the questions that he'll get this week, next week. Um, and then there's Georgia's uh, Javon Bullard. Four interceptions, 12 to passes defense the last two years. Seven tackles for a loss and three and a half sacks in 2022. He he might be a guy that fits the Sean McDermott mold. Uh, a, a smart guy. Petty um, player. Um, but again, I, I don't think that he's a first-round guy, but he's maybe a... a a middle of the second round guy. Interesting. All right. So I want everyone listening to write down those names. And when the bills inevitably pick one of those guys, I want you to, I want you to tell Nick that uh, you remember his hearing about him for the first time when Nick broke down their talents. But I think what? there's, there's a whole bunch of defensive tackles too, but I think, I think a bunch of them, Maybe either too too high to get in the first round, or I I don't know if their their value is necessarily going to fit where the Bills are picking in the first round, but I do believe that they're going to take a defensive tackle. It's well they they have to. They only have Ed Oliver is the only one they have left. So, um, oh, they, uh, is receiver, defensive end, and safety your top three positions for them to address? I would say receiver, defensive tackle, defensive end, and safety. Okay. And are are you of the you know there's a belief in hockey that goalies are such wild cards they take a long time to develop. Um, they're pre, you know you should just take you know you, they're so hard to predict. You should just take one every year, even if it's with a, a late round pick, which most most goalies aren't very high picks. Are you of the belief that a team should take a quarterback as often as they can? And do you think the Bills should take a quarterback this year? 
I do. I, I actually wrote about that. Uh, uh, the the Bills have spent nine million dollars, more than nine million dollars on quarterbacks uh, over the last four years, backup quarterbacks. If you draft a quarterback, let's say fifth round or later, you're going to end up paying just uh, just less than half of that over a four year stretch. Uh, you're going to get you're going to get two years of less than a million dollars a year. And then two years with the just a shade over a million. I mean, they finally went cheap last year with Kyle Allen. They paid him a little over a million dollars, I think, in part because they were cash strapped. But two years ago, Josh Allen gets hurt, and they have Case Keenum, who they traded for to be the backup, and then paid. You know, I, I believe they gave him a uh, they restructured his deal or, or gave him a new deal where he, they paid him three and a half million dollars, mm-hmm. and still thought Josh Allen was the better option with a bad elbow. Mm-hmm. So if that's if that's the, how you're going to feel, and the fact is, if your starting quarterback gets hurt in the NFL, unless you get lucky like the Cowboys, your, your season's torpedoed anyways if he's out for a long period of time. So I, I, I don't see the point in shelling out even, you know, Two three million dollars for a backup quarterback. Uh, go go get one in the late rounds, and then try to develop them. I mean, you look at look at what the Patriots did for years, from twenty two thousand six to twenty nineteen. They never had a backup quarterback that they either draft didn't draft or wasn't an undrafted free agent. Like they never paid a backup quarterback a million dollars during that time. I mean, and then Belichick drafted 11 quarterbacks in his first 20 drafts. He ended up flipping six of them for a pick. And then obviously you had Tom Brady, who was Tom Brady, so they flipped Drew Bledsoe instead. So seven of the 11 quarterbacks that he drafted ended up creating some sort of trade compensation for him because there's that allure of a backup quarterback from a good team. Maybe you see him in in some mop-up duty or a, a regular season finale or whatever, and he flashes, well, there's no bad tape. So somebody's going to bite true. that. Somebody's going to bite at that. I mean, the Bills did with Rob Johnson. Oh, they gave up a first-round pick. That was what, Fred Taylor, was it? It was. Rob Fred. Johnson, yes, that that, that uh, opening uh, game against Baltimore and whatever it was, 1997 maybe? He had a terrific game and the rest is history. Speaking of uh, backups having uh, great games, uh, remember uh, the Bills had Matt Flynn for like a week or two? Do you remember that? Yes, and Matt Flynn got a big payday from the Seahawks based on one game. Yeah. He did Throw what like didn't he throw like five touchdowns or something ridiculous or four touchdowns and yeah he he had a big duel with uh with Matthew Stafford in the last regular season game of the year I think Stafford threw like six picks and he threw five or three six touchdowns or one of them threw six and the other one threw five it was wild amazing and, he wound up in Buffalo for literally like was it like a week two weeks? I don't think it was more than two or three weeks. No, he never made it out of training camp. I think it was well. I thought it was during the season. No, I don't believe so. 
I want to say it was, but maybe we'll it have was. The they had we'll Traver have the research team look that up. They had Traveris Jackson for for a year, and he never even dressed. Two thousand twelve, yes. And it was it might have been the same year. Maybe. Bills in two thousand thirteen. You might have been right. They he they worked him out in twenty thirteen when Thad Lewis got hurt. Wow. All right. He served as the emergency replacement for Jeff Tool. Thanks to the research team for that. They're getting quicker and quicker. So, so Bill, some trivia. Oh, boy. The Bills have drafted three quarterbacks in the fifth round or later in the last 30 years. Can you name the guy that they drafted 30 years ago? Well, it'd be 31 years ago. Oh, that's easy. Challenge me. Was it Matt Rogers? It was Matt Rogers. Oh. 1992, seventh round out of Iowa. Never oh, yeah. played. Oh, I know. I know. Bill, father you have... was an NBA coach. What's that? His father was an NBA coach, Jimmy Rogers. You have far too much time on your hands, Bill. I know. I know. But, but I remember him well. Your wife must brag about you at parties, though. <laughs> yes, that I know... Uh, uh, come, come look at his useless knowledge. That's right. No, but I, I think so. I, I mean, you look at some of the quarterback quarterback is like the one position at the combine where it's like, you know, some of these guys either aren't going to get drafted or are going to be late round picks because their hands are small. Yeah. Well, you only can start one of them. So, you I mean, you look at, so they're all going to have knocks. So like, one of the guys maybe to look at is Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, who, of course, played most of his career, his 35 years in college uh, <laughs> with Wake Forest under uh, Dave Clawson, who uh, is, of course, a Lewiston Porter graduate. Um, played for a loaded team uh, with Daryl Johnston, uh, Matt Bradshaw, who's now the, the head coach at Nichols. It's, uh, it's quite a team. Um but he had a he had a rough senior bowl, seven to twenty five for sixty nine yards and an interception. Um, Notre Dame thought he was going to be the guy to get him over the hump. He he had a nice year, uh, just couldn't get him there. You know, you got Caden Slovis at BYU, Austin Reed at Western Kentucky. You know, guys who are going to be labeled with average arms, maybe aren't great scramblers, whatever. Um, but maybe a guy just to develop, like I mean. Josh Allen doesn't need a, a a veteran presence at this point. He is the veteran presence. Um, they just they they need a cheap option, and I, I think uh, drafting a guy is the cheapest option. So Very true. All right, Nick. That'll be that'll be what I'm looking at from from the combine, which Bill is is. Got to be much better than the view from the press box at the Sabres games recently. The Sabres have been absolutely dreadful since the return from the All-Star break. Uh, it seems like they begrudgingly returned from the All-Star break. It's, it's, it's been a rough go of things. They've, they've, they've dropped three of, I believe, five games uh, since, since returning. Four of five, four of six games. I apologize. Um, 
just just a dismal a dismal start to the second half of the season punctuated by an awful 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 loss to an awful Anaheim Ducks team they they hammered them in shots on goal and still managed to lose to lose 4 to 3 bill it seems like the season is over yeah i mean it's a lost season i mean there's no they're they're not coming back from this. I mean, it as we we talk about literally every episode. I mean, they <laughs> they had to go on a run and they didn't. And here we are, uh, as we're chugging toward the end of February, and they still haven't won more than two games this whole season. So that some some magical run where they at least get in the race. I don't even think that's coming. I mean, they're they're well the race and this I mean the see it's a lost season. I mean, that's what it is at this point. And I think everyone kind of accepts that. Um it's just uh, I mean when you when you stack everything up uh, regression and, and and injuries and just guys underachieving. I mean it, it just it, it it's a tough one to swell because I think there was a true belief that this is their year. This was excuse me, this was the year they could really do it that they could they could get into the playoffs. And you, you look at a loss like Monday's, we, we talk all the time about brutal losses, and they've had a lot of losses in the last, whatever, 12, 13 years that are brutal. And, um, you know, for, for them to lose yesterday's uh, Monday afternoon's game to the Ducks, I mean, it's just an awful loss. And I don't know where it really ranks. It, it's too hard to rank them. But for them to to have the 30th ranked team in the NHL come in last game of a four game road trick trip. And they I mean, they were pummeling them. I mean, I know the score it was one, nothing that was one to one and it was two to one and, and so forth. But I mean, they were pummeling them. They had them on the ropes. I mean, they, the ducks looked totally uninterested in competing. It looked like they just wanted to get on the plane and Sabres go up two to one, score a power play goal, and they get another power play less than 20 seconds later. So if they score there, the game's over. Let's face it. But they didn't score. The Ducks uh, suddenly had some life. And they tie the game, and it just it went from, you know, it just went downhill from there. I mean, they outplayed them. I mean, they did a lot of good things, but they just, one of the mysterious things of this here is, well, guys just they can't score i mean we, we've talked about their problems on the power play um uh, their even strength scoring for for much of the year has been on par with last year uh but it's been the power play that's really really you know bit them but i mean y- y- you watch even strength power play you watch guys a game like yesterday guys just they can't finish like they uh like they did last year i mean they just for whatever reason they don't have it and uh i've got some i've got some some numbers from the research team okay <laughs> so through through 55 games the sabers have been held to one goal or fewer 14 times and i believe they, 10 of those been, are at home they've been shut out 3 times yeah last year it, in all 82 games one goal or fewer 13 times shut out twice. Yeah. So they've surpassed yeah. they surpassed all of those numbers and still have what 27 more games to play? Yes. And yeah, they just for whatever, I mean, they they were creating plenty during uh some of their recent games. I mean, uh they they managed to score whatever 
seven against the Kings. Uh, they created some against the Panthers. I mean, Dallas, they certainly created a ton. They deserved to win that game. The Blues, they did some, but they didn't really pay the price and go to the net. But, I mean, so they're still doing some of it, but the lack of finish is alarming. How guys establish scores in this league suddenly, you know, can't put the puck on the net. Uh, it, it's it's definitely odd. It, it uh, there's so many things to slice and dice the season, but I mean that's that's going to be the one that really stands out. It's just how how they've you know regressed in the scoring department. I think they're on pace for fifty something like fifty three fewer goals than last year, and they are abysmal at home, as you mentioned. There, I believe they've lost five of the last six at home. Four out of five since the All Star break. Uh, I mean, they're not they're not really giving people many reason to to show up to the building. I mean, last year at least they were exciting, but uh, I think they had the uh, an announced attendance of over seventeen thousand uh, against the Ducks and laid an egg. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it's getting any better. I guess at least the tickets will be cheap the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean. If you're just looking beyond win, wins and losses and just entertainment value, you're not even getting that. I mean, like I was just saying, I, I think the number is 10 home games with one one goal or shutout this year. I mean, that's, I mean, so, I mean, they've only played, what, uh, 28 home games? So, I mean, it's more than a third chance you're going to see one goal or none. I mean, that that's incredible. So, yeah, and you know what? I mean, it's... It, they had a good crowd yesterday, and when they play well, I mean, the crowd gets into it. But, I mean, they're tight at home, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why. But I think the biggest thing is that the crowd gets on them, and it makes them uncomfortable. I mean, the, the Sabres fans have been through so much over all these years that they're they're just upset, and... They turn on them. I mean, they, they boo. I mean, they boo. It, it, sometimes it feels like at the end of every period. I mean, and it's just, they're just, they're a surly group and they get on the saber and they, they you know, they get on their guys. And I think it, it, it's in their head. I really, I, I really do believe that. Uh, uh, to me, that's, to me, that would be the, the, the signal of a, of a mentally weak team at the moment. I mean, some, some, there's been some hollow blue about them not saluting fans after wins. Not like they get a whole lot, anyways, but uh, uh, just being disgruntled over the the calls to fire Don Granado during the during the games. I mean, you got to get over it. I mean, winning teams don't let that stuff bother them. And to be perfectly honest, if you don't like it, play better. I mean, you you look at some of the numbers. I mean, they've given up fourteen goals in the first five minutes of games this season. And when they give up a goal in the first five minutes of the game, they're two and ten. And they've scored seven goals in the first five minutes of games, and they're five and two. So I mean, don't give up so many goals in the first five minutes of the game. I mean, you're you're well, right I mean, back you're right back in it. I mean, you're you're talking about you're talking about what ten ten lost points there. For sure. Or twenty that, lost points. That contributes to the the surliness, the whatever you want to call it, of the crowd is that 
they settle into their seats and the sabers are already down. I mean, well, that, some I mean, some people aren't even there yet. I mean, yeah, they're not even at their seats yet, and they're already losing. So I mean, that's uh, I mean, it all contributes to it, and it just hasn't been a good place, a good place for them. And and we've seen how how raucous the crowds can get. I mean, there were some crowds. You know, in the last couple of years with, uh, you know, we, we talk about RJ Knight and Jack Eichel coming back and uh, I'm missing some, uh, I'm forgetting some others, forgive me. But I mean, that crowd, I mean, the crowd was just raucous and I mean, they fed off that. I mean, I even remember opening night in 21-22. I mean, it was a very small crowd, but it was, it was, they were so into it. The Sabres just feed off that energy, but the energy is not there very often and uh, it's not the most comfortable place for them to play. So, so what's, what's, uh, what's in store the rest of the, the rest of the year here? I mean, 27 games, it's a lot, it's a lot of games still to play here with, with really nothing on the line. And I mean, you, you look at, could they play more prospects? It doesn't look like it. Um, you know, I, I think the, the talk is just going to get louder as to, Who's responsible for this mess? And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you like you. I mean, they're getting outscored by by twenty eight goals in the first period, um, but then they don't like that people are are <laughs> are calling to fire the coach. I mean, it's just a weird deal. Um, I don't know. I to me, I I think some accountability is needed over the last twenty seven games here. Otherwise, they're never going to get where they want to go. Oh, for sure. I mean, they they, they need to have. It, it sounds almost trite, but they need to have a strong finish. I'm of the belief. I, I've said before, and I still believe. I don't think there should be mass firings. I mean, there, there's going to be changes for sure. Uh, maybe on the coaching staff. Um, definitely have to change the makeup of a team. Maybe not a huge overhaul, but you definitely have to make significant moves and address. Uh, you know what we've seen to be flaws this year and, and number one would just be just adding in my opinion would be just adding more grit but so so there's going to be significant changes but I, I i'm not of the belief that you know you have to fire everyone uh you have to you know just like start over no i i still don't believe that um but i mean they they have to have some sort of notable finish they just can't trudge along like they have for whatever three four months and you know win one lose one win one lose one you know play play just a you know play a perfect row game against the high-end playoff team uh you know win whatever four to one and then come home and and lose uh lose five to two to some team out of the playoffs i mean it's just it's just been an odd year and they have to in these last, I guess, what, seven weeks or so, they have to show show some sort of some sort of progress, some sort of growth that they've. I don't. You can never say got get over the hump, but that, that, that they've you know grown from this and that they're they're moving on. And I, I mean, to this point, I mean, each week you kind of expect like, all right, they'll they'll change for the better. They're they're figuring things out. Each win, you kind of you kind of have that sense like, oh, well, maybe this will be the win. I mean, even Saturday in Minnesota. I mean, you look at Minnesota. 
Minnesota's a decent team. I mean, they've haven't had the best season either. But I mean, to go into Minnesota, uh, they tie it, you know, in the last minute. They win in overtime. I mean, that's a significant win. And and then you come back less than two days later and you they do what they did against the Ducks. It's it's just totally puzzling. It it really is. But I mean, if you want to look at things positively, um, <laughs> I mean, basically all their wins are, in my opinion, at least, pretty solid wins. I mean, from pretty solid to very solid, where they're they're the better team, they impose their you know will on the other team. I mean, they're earned wins, and I mean, and most of the losses, they're just I mean, they don't have a lot of in my opinion good losses where you know where you know what they did pretty well but they just lost to the better team or you know we talked about the loser points no most of their losses just feel like disasters so um there's just they haven't broken out of that and i think if you want to look for maybe one thing over the final whatever 27 games is that they can they can break out of that and show show some growth It'd be interesting to see how how Kevin Adams handles things over the next few weeks here, uh, with the trade deadline coming up. Um, I, I when you look at when you look at it, it, it's it's interesting because when you have the issues that the Sabers are having, typically the coach falls on the sword because. The players aren't aren't hearing the message, right? That that's ultimately what got Lindy Ruff fired, right? Is that it was the idea that players weren't hearing his message anymore, and basically all that is is it's easier to fire the coach than get a whole new team. Mm-hmm. But now you have a coach whose contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet, so you're you're in an interesting boat. Um, does Kevin Adams move? A guy that they like, so a player that 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 is liked in the locker room, and I don't mean like a a Gergensens or Nakposo who there's a good chance probably get moved anyways because they're on expiring deals. And I mean, I, this might be it for Nakposo anyways. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Kyle would want to go though, to be honest with you. Well, but... then move him. Well, <laughs> then I mean, trade if him. He wants to be moved if he I'm if sure. he wants to be here, then trade him because maybe that'll send a message. Like I mean. They he, Adams has got to figure out like if they're not if if they're married if if Terry Pagula is married to Don Granado financially and doesn't want to fire him, then they got to make a they got to they got to send a shot across the bow that says hey things things got to change around here um, to these guys because uh, I mean pouting pouting about the fire Donnie chance. Aren't going to change. Clearly, aren't changing anything. I mean, the, that's not changing anything. It's it's they're so mad about it that they're not playing any harder in the first period. So, I mean, something's got to change there. It'll be interesting to see what what Kevin Adams does here. Well, if you want to look at the 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 trade deadline part, I, the trade deadline to me isn't a time for significant deals or or whatever. I mean, that's more of a unloading assets. Uh, well, that's beefing what I mean. Up, like, up for this, maybe maybe, up for they this maybe they move a maybe they move an unexpected guy. Maybe they move a 
uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing out a name. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to trade him. Like Alex Tuck. Uh, I don't think they'll necessarily trade him. Um, but just moving someone unexpected to say, hey, stuff's got to change around here. Well, at some point, um, some I mean, someone, whether it's before the deadline or in the summer, and I think it's much more likely in the summer, um, someone is going to get moved um, from that core that uh, has done some good things over the last two, three years, but ultimately just can't get it there. Uh, can't get into the hasn't been able to get in the playoffs. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't even want to speculate. But I mean, I mean, I think you can probably, you can probably guarantee they're not trading Rasmus Dahlin. Well, right. You can but, probably I mean, guarantee they're not going to trade Owen Power. Uh, there could be some untouchables for sure. But um, I don't think that they're going to trade Tage Thompson. Um, outside of those three, I don't know though. I, I, don't right. know there, it, I, I don't know if there's any I've I've heard that Yuri Kulik is untouchable at the moment. Um but you never know. Right. I mean there's some guys that like Kevin Adams has said we're we're non starters in conversation like Yuri Kulik and Matt Savoy and, and some of those guys. Um and, and Kevin Adams, I mean, he's been he's been unwilling to deviate from his plan. He's been unwilling to, you know, move core guys but i think it's reached the point where this summer someone will be moved whether it's a high-end prospect or a roster player who's made significant contributions something's going to happen so i mean if you ask me it's coming whether it's in two weeks or june or july something will have to happen because i mean you can't I mean, they did very little to the roster last year. I mean, the most significant things they did were sign Eric Johnson and uh, Connor Clifton. I mean, the, the, they liked the roster. They thought it was it was the team. And when you, I mean, when you have a team that underachieves or, or, or wasn't as far along as you thought it was or whatever and misses the playoffs like that, I mean, obviously you're not going to stand pat another offseason. So things will happen um but i'm just uh i'm more of the belief it's going to happen in the off season rather than uh in the coming week here well i mean i i since they just extended Darlene and and just how good he is i i don't think they're going to trade him but uh they're giving they're giving him plenty of audition time here uh since the all-star break uh i believe uh He's played 29 minutes in five or six games. I mean, one of those games was like 28-59, but yeah. he's he's playing playoff minutes right now. He's playing a ton of minutes, and it's another – I mean, yeah, to me, he would be untouchable. Um, he, yeah, he's playing big, big minutes, and he played big minutes before, but he's gone from, you know, that 24-25 area to – I mean, Saturday in Minnesota, he played whatever, over 30, a career high. I mean, he played – basically half the game and with i mean the sabers are missing matias samuelson's out for the season owen powers week to week uh they hope he'll be back in maybe another week or so but um i mean right now that those are two of their top three defensemen they're missing 45 minutes out of the lineup and 
I mean, how do you fill those minutes? Well, I mean, you're going to look to your ace to give him a little bit more. And yeah, he's absorbing some of their duties. I mean, he's playing um, not only against the top line, but maybe, you know, the, the opponent's second line. I mean, it, it's when you factor in the, uh, the the team struggles and their struggles scoring and just some of the problems they've had. I mean, he's not going to be up to last year's standards, but he's, he's still been he's still been good. And I think you're seeing him take yet another step with these extra minutes. I mean, uh, how's he going to feel if he has to keep doing this for another another five or six games, though? Because, I mean, yeah, he's a young man here, but he's playing. I mean, Drew Dowdy leads the NHL in, in ice time at, at uh, a shade under 26 uh, minutes per game. Darlene, I believe, is fifth. Um, but, I mean, so so playing, playing 29, 30 minutes a game, is not sustainable, especially at a time like this where pretty much everything is a lost cause. Uh, so they're probably going to have to figure something out in the next the next week or so because they can't keep running them like this. Well, I mean, I mean, he he can he can do it. I don't think it's um, the worst. I mean, to do that over uh, eighty two games, no. But I mean, I mean another week or two i don't think that's uh the worst thing so i mean i actually asked him literally asked him today like how do you know like how do you handle it how do you recover could you feel that you played 29 minutes yesterday and he said yeah and i'll I'll read you the quote he said he said you got to do everything times two you got to recover better you got to eat better you got to sleep better which i'm trying to do right now and so far my body feels good so i think he's been able to handle it um I guess in the grand scheme of things, if you play 25, 26 minutes and then you play three more minutes, it's not the biggest thing. But um, yeah, I mean. Were you interrupting his nap when you asked him this question? It's a good question. No, no, I was not. I wouldn't do that. You know that. Um, But I mean, the Sabres have spread out minutes uh, all over. I mean, Jacob Bryson has gone from playing like 10 minutes to, you know, 18, 19. Um, Henry Yoki Haru, who I wrote a little bit about today um, and wrote about the other day. I mean, he played a career high uh, the other day. Uh, I guess it was like 27 minutes. Um, he's he's reached another level. He's gone from being uh, a guy who was struggling, a guy who could contribute, just but just wasn't quite reaching his potential to a guy that really... In the, it's a small sample size, but we've really seen some of the best of him. Just playing with Darlene on that number one pair. Uh, he's quarterback in the second power play. He scored the overtime winner again. Or not again, excuse me. On, uh, scored the overtime winner on uh, Saturday. And he he's just, the coach is showing confidence in him. So, I mean, he's ran with that confidence. And he's I think he's reached a level that he, he hasn't really had in the, in the NHL yet. All right, Bill. How did you how did you get through your first NFL this this weekend? Uh, I don't I, I don't even know what I oh I actually my my uh my first NFL this weekend uh on Sunday I wrote a Henry Yoki Haru story. So there you go. That's how I filled my time. You you're such a wild man. I know, right? Got maybe got myself a diet coke or two at uh, a certain uh, establishment. A diet uh, and when he means a diet coke, it's probably it's not it's not a code for an adult beverage. He he means <laughs> diet coke. 
Yeah, it really is a Diet Coke. So there you go. Bill Bill is propping up uh, the the Coca-Cola industry. I drink way too much Diet Soda. So I got to cut back a little. You should drink from the fountain of youth that Rasmus Dahlin has. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. All right, Nick, so, you feel good about this one? I do. I do. And now you'll get to you'll get to fulfill uh another weekend, another Sunday with Sabres hockey. Uh, Sabres are on the road for a couple of games here in Montreal and Columbus. Hypothetically, two games they'll win. They should win, but at this point, who knows? And if they don't, they'll embarrass their fathers um on the trip. That how how was that by the way? Uh, that had to be pretty awkward because they bring in the fathers for this trip, uh, you know, a day after maybe one of the more embarrassing losses of the season. Um. Well, I mean, the the the, the, the it's actually fathers and mentors, so not everyone's uh, a dad. But how come um, you didn't invite me, Bill? Uh, we don't get to take someone. Sorry, you'd be about tenth down the list. Um, That's pretty hurtful. I know, especially they, especially after, especially after I picked that game correctly. <laughs> yeah, well, you're trying to milk that for all it's worth. The, the fathers were actually uh, at the uh, at the game on uh, Monday, so they 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 saw that game. And uh, honestly, I mean, just because of the, I don't think the guys are going to go. I don't. I don't think they're going to have any different effort because their dads are there. May, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I don't think they're just going to turn it up because their dads are there. You would, you would hope on some level they would, but I mean, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's just whatever. I think you get on the ice and kind of focus on that. Well, the plus side is there aren't a whole lot of home games left when you look no, at the they, schedule. Uh, I mean, they're, they, they, they're gone for a lot of March. And yeah, I mean, they, next they had four out of the they, next five are away. And then they're going to go out West for a long time. They're and they be, really, I mean, they had a stretch here where they could get, they had a stretch here where they could get back in it and just make the key bank center a, a tougher place to play in. I mean, and they just, they haven't been able to, to do that and it's not just this year it was last i mean it's years and years and years i mean when was the last time it was you know that so-called rink that opponents dreaded coming in i probably their last playoff year right i mean there's nothing i mean when was the last time they were just a really good home team probably 2010 11 so, i mean well even then i mean that was another year where you wait all year for them to break out of a funk and they finally did. Uh, but I mean, you look at, you look at the West, there's a West coast swing. I mean, it starts in Detroit on on the 16th, March 16th, but then they'll go to Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, but then they come home and then they play Ottawa at home. And then they play, they play Lindy Ruff in New Jersey on a Friday night at home. And then the next night they play Toronto at home on a Saturday night. I mean, those two nights, I mean, the, the, the Toronto game is a given. But you would think that with a good team, 
that those buildings would be full and the crowd would be just live. Well, I mean, maybe for the Toronto game it will be, but a lot of those might be most of those might be Maple Leafs. Well, now I'm saying if the if they were good, that those 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 nights, theoretically, the building would be full and the crowd would just be rocking. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, I mean, you and then you get think... then you get Ovechkin and the Capitals coming out of that on the Tuesday, so and then follow that up with the Flyers on a Friday night. I mean. There is some op- there were opportunities there for just some incredible atmospheres, and I think you can all but guarantee that uh, the only the only one that should be raucous is the Leafs game. It's because it's going to be Leafs fans. Yeah, you're right, and you know you don't have to go back that far. I mean, even during the tank years, like the building was full. I mean, well past the tank years, um, the building was full most nights. I mean, tickets were still. I mean, they had you know there's we talk about how they had the season ticket waiting list. I mean, a, a Sabres ticket was a significant item to have and people enjoyed it. And it just, I mean, it, it, it it's lost its luster. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, it's because the food just... is, the food is dismal and the tickets are expensive and the team's not any good. Well, I don't, uh, I don't really eat the concession food, so I can't quite speak to that, but, um, and I don't buy tickets, but yeah, I mean, it, the bottom line is if they, if they were winning, I mean, the building would be full. I mean, Buffalo is a hockey town to its core, and if they were, uh, if they were exciting, if they were in the thick of the playoff hunt in a playoff spot, I mean, yeah, I mean, we all know the building would be full most nights. I think uh, I looked at tickets recently, and they were, they were still, they were still pretty. Uh, everything was over a hundred dollars, even even uh the cheapest tickets they're coming down now but let's say the 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 cheapest tickets right now for that Columbus game are 55 bucks yeah there, there's just not as many tickets on the secondary market like there were a few years ago and and I mean a lot of people got used to buying tickets on these ticket sites that season ticket holders would just put up there and they I mean they'd pay like what like <laughs> like whatever the minimum is ten dollars or so or so a lot of people got used to paying very little money for their tickets and i think uh, i saw owen powers first game for around that that number yeah i mean yeah definitely i mean in twenty-one, twenty-two, i think it was maybe kind of last year where you could get really cheap tickets and yeah i mean people i mean i know there's fees and stuff but i mean i mean yeah 10 20 bucks and that's not, I mean, that's not really a price you pay for big league sports anymore. So there was a time where you could pay like a dollar for a Bills preseason game. Really? On the secondary market. And it's not that long ago. Oh, yeah. I, actually, I think I went to some of those games where we got preseason tickets for like very, very, very little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, right the inflation is getting them all, all of us, Bill. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, Nick, it's been fun. We'll do it again next week. Um, thank you for joining us. Leave us a review. Email us at buffalopressbox at gmail.com if there's something you want us to talk about. I'll get Nick to say your name. And, uh, yeah, join us again next week. And uh, thank you for joining us.